welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from TheEthicalPanda.com. And I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Real Film Podcast. And today we're talking about Minute 57, which begins with Thor fighting in a tunnel and ends with Coulson talking to Barton. Joining us on the show today, as every day this week, we have Andrew Dorosky, host of the Disney Animation Minute Essentials, and Joe Dorosky, host of the Protagonist Podcast. Uh, Andrew and Joe, great to have you on. Uh, from both of you, where where's your kind of uh, MCU interest lie? I, I, obviously, uh, Andrew, you have the Disney thing, and Joe, it sounds like you bounce around a lot of different kind of metas and universes. Where, where do you see yourselves in terms of like how much uh, how big a role the MCU plays in your personal pantheon? Joe, you can go first on that one because mine's dependent upon yours. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I loved uh, comic books when I was growing up and started reading them like before the wave of even like the X Men cartoon on Fox so, and Batman the animated series really being huge. So, um, like all the uh, adaptations that we've gotten are just fantastic for me. And I was in uh, grad school writing a dissertation on the X Men when the MCU started um, on race and gender in X Men comic books. And so I was talking about superhero stuff, uh, like academically all day, every day, when the MCU kind of became the dominant force in pop culture that it has become like just so, so prominent. Uh, and, and so for me professionally, it's been great <laughs> that the MCU has risen uh, in prominence. Uh, while, while I've been trying to to make a go of uh, like studying and analyzing superheroes for a lot of my career. Are, are you a professor now? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I teach in an English department and do a lot of American lit, but then also uh, pop culture stuff. Nice. Nice. And Andrew, so how did, was your knock on effect there? So since I'm the younger brother, I pretty much just piggybacked off of all of the leftover comic books and trading cards and cartoon <laughs> DVDs. Well, VHS videotapes yeah. first. Uh-huh. And, yeah. And then eventually DVDs. Um, and so if if Joseph had it, it became available to me at a certain point. And so probably when I was 11 or 12 was when I started reading comic books. And it was it was starting off of um, Joe's and, and also um, one of our other brothers, uh, John's collections. So I read things out of there and, and got pretty heavy into that as I was uh, an adolescent. Um, and and then I was in my late teens when the when the movies really started when Iron Man, I was. Iron Man came out. I was 17 or 18 years old. Um, and so had enough discretionary income to go see movies as much as I wanted, had, had access to a vehicle and access to, to local theaters. And, and so I've been pretty steady with the Marvel movies, um, ever since then. So, so it's been pretty, pretty consistent and steady for me, um, growing from the comic books into the movies. Um, and, and I still read lots of comic books. I did not pursue it, uh, for a, a full, phd level uh academic career like like joe <laughs> slacker but but i've been paying attention to all of it so you know i get i get i get the dregs um <laughs> off of all of his expertise nice nice well you, you get all the knowledge without the student loans so you know kind of bounces out <laughs> that's the the real way to believe in it <laughs> well and that's perfect because as we're about to talk about this minute we get introduced to a real comic book and now becoming an MCU fan favorite uh, character introduced in this next minute. We'll talk about that in just one second. Have you ever heard of Patreon? Like so many podcasters out there, we are a fan and we find it to be a great platform for our fans to support us by becoming patrons. Well, we have now upgraded our site to Patreon's Memberful platform, which allows us to build our patron support platform right into our own website. 
So if you've been thinking of becoming a patron to show your love for the show, but you weren't sure about it because you couldn't find us on Patreon itself, just know that we are, in fact, using their platform. You can learn more about it at memberful.com. They make it so easy. Just visit truestory.fm slash Marvel Movie Minute, and you can find out what we offer to our patrons. It's only $5 a month, or you can get a discount if you join at the annual rate. So they kind of teased in that last minute. This is when we we meet Barton for the first time. We meet Hawkeye for the first time. And we're, we're going to go over minute by minute. But I kind of want to talk about that because he, he's such an important character now in the MCU. Uh, he's going to get his own TV show that actually will have probably already been airing by the time this episode goes up. For the both of you, as uh, or especially for Joe, but both of you as comic book people and, and Andy, was Hawkeye a character you knew well before this movie? Um, I knew him as like part of the team, but not as uh, you, you know someone who's going to carry his own series. Um, but you know, he's when the Avengers show up, very frequently Hawkeye's going to be a part of part of the scene uh, that's there, and he never like resonated with me like as like one of the the, the core pillars of the Marvel universe or the Avengers, but it also, it always makes sense when the Avengers show up that there's Hawkeye, you know, right there. When I was reading comics, it was largely like Spider-Man was mostly who I was reading. Um, But then I I remember, because so often when I would pick up comics, I always felt like I was in the middle of a story. And so that always frustrated me. And so I I was always looking for like the first episodes or first issues of a particular thing. And I remember when the first issue of West Coast Avengers appeared and I was like, oh, first issue, I'm going to start with this one. And of course, I mean, you're still jumping into the middle of it because it's all these characters that I really knew nothing about. But Hawkeye was leading it up. And I was very like, I I latched onto him as a character that I kind of... uh, uh, you know, really enjoyed in those early uh, uh, issues of that particular series, nice. which I don't know. I, I stopped following it after a while. I don't even know if, it, if they continued it much. But I, I always kind of had a thing like I enjoyed Hawkeye. I never really followed him, but he's always a character that I ended up enjoying to see what they were going to um, how they used him. Oh, Andy, your quest to be on the ground floor of a storyline. That really <laughs> resonates with me. <laughs> As a young comic book reader. It's frustrating, right? Every comic book reader's true quest. <laughs> so, I know. Like, I'm committing to this one. I'm getting the first issue. I am committing to this entire series. Exactly. Whether that's, that's it's good fine. or bad, I'm in. <laughs> I have found a very easy way to do it. You just don't read comic books and start with Netflix episode one. You know, like Daredevil, Jessica Jones. I did actually read the, all the Jessica Jones comics, but that's another story. And uh, so Hawkeye is someone who first came into the comic books back in 1964. I, I didn't get to tell my my initial uh, exposure to Hawkeye. Oh, yeah, no, please. Uh, my initial exposure to Hawkeye is as a gag. Um, it was because when I was reading comics, I think at the time Hawkeye was dead. Um, and so he wasn't in any of the Avengers stories going on. Um, and so the way I got to know him was in these little joke strips they would put into the comics sometimes. Um, and, and they've got collections of them. Like mini Marvels is, is some of the stuff that I've seen now, but, um, at the time I think it was called bullpen bits. And so it was like these Charlie Brown esque, you know, four panel joke strips. And it would always be about like Hawkeye feeling mm-hmm. like he's, he's, I mean, having an inferiority complex next to Captain America. Um, I was like, I don't know who this guy is in the blue and purple. I, I guess that's Hawkeye, but I mean, I, I guess he feels like he's got a bone to pick with everybody. I don't know. And so that's all I knew Hawkeye as um, initially. And then, and then read him in a, in a couple of comics. And, but mostly I just kind of like knew about him in 
in the meta textual way, right? Like I know Hawkeye's part of Avengers, but but without having read much for him. Well, he's an interesting one because of all of them, like there's really no superpower there. So, I mean, he's kind of like another Batman-esque type of character who just is an incredible uh, marksman. And, and you know, I mean, I, I don't know if he's like a science brain who's also designing all these really clever types of arrows that he's shooting or is someone else designing them for him? I don't know. It's never really said, but I like to think that he's coming up with all that sort of stuff. But so I don't know. I find him such an interesting character because of that. And I'm always drawn to these characters, uh, particularly like when it's a team of supers and there's somebody there who's not a super, but is it can fight at a level that makes them still a worthy part of the team. I, I really enjoy those characters. And that's obviously a big part of why him and Natasha were always connected. Yeah. I mean, they have they obviously build a backstory for them in the MCU, but they're both like that. And to me, the quintessential Hawkeye moment is in uh, Age of Ultron when he's trying to convince Wanda to come back into the fight. You know, says, like, listen, like, there's giant robots fighting and the city is flying and we could destroy the whole world. And I've got a bow and arrow. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but here's what we are, you know? And I just I just love that from him. Uh, and am I right? As I've said before, I didn't watch Thor until after I'd seen Avengers and met the character and then wanted to go back and watch the movie. But my memory is that no one knew Hawkeye was going to be in this and that they had kind of kept it quiet. So it was a fun surprise. Is that am I right about that? There was buzz. Uh, like, I, I think that they were keeping it a surprise. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly how it played out, but I, I, th- I felt like it was something that they were keeping a surprise. But then somehow it got out because there was kind of talk about how he was Hawkeye. But it was like just before the movie came out. Uh, at least that's my recollection is like it ended up not being a huge surprise, but felt like it was meant to be one. And I can't remember if it was like fully spoil- spoiled in reviews, but I remember reviewers really didn't like this sequence. <laughs> and that m- many of them mentioned the <laughs> kind of absurd uh, appearance of a character that maybe will matter later, but doesn't for this movie. Yeah, that's the other thing is like, even if it wasn't a surprise, it's also like Hawkeye's not a huge deal, you know, in, a- in as much as Marvel was putting a- together the Avengers with their, you know, basically b-list at best um superheroes because it's the ones that they had after all the the financial dealings in the 90s right um and hawkeye is not even the middle of that (laughs) b-list list you know he's he's <laughs> mm-hmm. you know maybe the bottom of the b-list or the top of the c-list and so even if it if it was known it's like yeah and hawkeye's gonna be here no one cared <laughs> no one cared that much <laughs> yeah <laughs> so there wasn't like a moment of like any of you remember of like oh he's reaching for bow and arrow that must be hawkeye i mean mm-hmm. i do remember thinking that but then like the way it plays out he I wish he'd been given more more to do to make this sequence feel look like the the sequence almost feels and I don't know the reality of this like like it was tacked on later like like you could have had the Coulson line and Hawkeye up in the in the crane with not part of the shooting when they're they're shooting all the Thor moments and edited it all in later and that could have been done <laughs> you know it really does feel fairly yeah, inessential yeah he has he has no no appearance in the rest of the movie which actually seems weird. You know, you'd think he he would show up at least a little. Yeah, and I feel like when you look at the script, I, I mean, I think maybe they changed the name to B. Barton in the script, but the way that it's scripted is it's it, like he grabs a sniper rifle. It's not even it's not even oh, his yeah. his uh, arrow or and bow and arrow. And so that made me think: was it originally scripted as just another agent that goes up with a sniper rifle? 
And then later they changed it. They said, oh, this would be a good opportunity uh, or what? Like, what were they thinking? I, I really was uh, confused yeah. by that. And I definitely want to get to that when we go through the minute itself, because that also that scene of him reaching for a gun first, I don't understand <laughs> what we learn about the character later. But just, just to kind of as one more part of it, uh, I know often on this podcast, we like to really dive into who the actor is as well. And, and Annie, I want to let you take that away in just a second. But first, I, I'm trying to remember, was Jeremy Renner a big deal? Yeah. At this point, because I think he was, and I guess that 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 alone would have been a little like, oh, it's Jeremy Renner. So the character is supposed to matter, but he has three lines. What's going on here? Well, and to the point where he, he it's an uncredited role. Like it was, it was meant to be kind of like right. a, this sort of surprise sort of thing. And this, you know, this was the early days of of kind of Feige's vision. So I I don't know exactly how that worked as far as paychecks and everything. Um, like the fact mm-hmm. that he wasn't credited and it was just meant to be kind of this this bit part. That mean he got a smaller paycheck, but he got committed to all these bigger films. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he certainly had been, uh, you know, at least since 2008, um, with a film that I'll mention here in a second, uh, you know, very popular and kind of somebody that people would recognize. Um, and I'll mention it now because, uh, I always do the IMDb game when our new actors appear in the film. I don't, I don't think Joseph and I have gotten to do this before. Oh, that you, you were so late in Iron Man that, yeah, you probably didn't have any yeah, so new I actors. Yeah, I think we were all out. So uh, I always do the IMDb game uh, for our actors. So the, so the four films on IMDb that it says uh, Jeremy Renner is known for, what, do you, what would you guess? Is it, I, is it Hurt Locker? Is that the name of the, the – he's in the Bomb Squad one, right? He, is that yep, one of them? Yep, that's the Hurt Locker. Yeah, is that, that's Hurt Locker. I'm, I'm going to guess they're going to put in the uh, Hansel and Gretel. Uh, what? <laughs> Witch yes. Hunters. Because they were trying to make that a really oh, big thing right. when, when it was coming out. Yes, so what if it's like there's <laughs> yeah. still some algorithm because that had so much push. It, it, is that is that one of the four? Well, give me four and then I'll tell you which ones you got right. Okay, so so Hurt Locker. And, oh, well, I was going to say the, the I forget what it is, the, the one Bourne movie that he does. Bourne Legacy. Because like, yeah. it's the other big franchise he's in, even if though it's one. They were really trying to make him a franchise. Bourne people would rather but, forget. Uh, but <laughs> and, and then Avengers, right? It's going to be Avengers. Well, yeah. Which, which Avengers? Yeah, though? I'm going to guess the first like, Avengers. I'm I'm going to say Age of Ultron. I think Age of Ultron's a bigger movie for him. Yeah, I, but I could also go for Endgame. And, and see, I would actually say Endgame because I think uh, I I would say it's going to be Avengers, Endgame, Hurt Locker, and Born. That's my that's my four. But they always have a weird one. What you t- yeah, for me, that's the Hansel and Gretel. So Avengers, Hansel and <laughs> yeah, Gretel, so- <laughs> Born, and uh, uh, Hurt Locker. I'll say, I'll say Hurt Locker. Uh, I will say Age of Ultron, um, Hurt Locker, and and Hansel and Gretel because I can't think of. Uh, oh wait wait wait. Uh, uh, tag. He was in Tag. That's gonna be my fourth one. He was in Tag. That was a. Great movie. Tag? That... It's about the grown-ups who are still playing the game of tag, and they run around tagging each other. It's so funny. And he plays like like so, and it's and, and it's like story, yeah. action hero level tag in it. Yeah, I heard about this. So yeah, okay. So Sounds like a community episode. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Hurt Locker, you all got that is definitely that's the first thing on his list. That was where he kind of came into prominence. Catherine Bigelow's film from two thousand eight, and then you none of you remembered that he was in the town 
Ben Affleck's movie, uh, that would be the second one that he was known for. Uh, oh, the second yeah. one he got an Oscar nomination for, and that was 2010, the year right before this. The third film is Wind River, which came out in 2017. Oh. Um, a great film with him, with him and Scarlet Witch herself, um, as they're trying to solve a murder on a, on a reservation up in Wyoming. Now that you mentioned that one, that does ring a bell. Yeah. It's a great movie. And last but not least, it is The Avengers, the first of the Avengers <laughs> films uh, that he's known okay. for. So this it doesn't have one of the mm-hmm. weird ones on the list. Every once in a while it happens. Uh, but they're making <laughs> Avengers the weird one. I guess so, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird. Matt, Matt Damon can rest safely. His born, his born, <laughs> Damon's born legacy is quite safe. Renner's shall That's not right. be remembered. I've done a little research about your question about this. The clip of Hawkeye was released before the film was released. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. So I found an article from April. The film came out in May. Uh, this is from Collider. New Thor clip reveals Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. And they open up by saying a new clip from Thor has been released. And it gives us our first clips of Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. The clip showcases a fight between Thor and a guard in the rain. We get a very brief and a little awkward look at Hawkeye. The shot feels like it was filmed later and inserted into the scene. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that was exactly what Marvel was hoping for when they released that kind of publicity. So some of our our, our take, uh, you know, a decade later, uh, was some of that initial take of like, was this all filmed at the same time? Right. <laughs> all right. So so I should actually probably do something of a minute by minute walkthrough, but I want Hawkeye's just such a big deal that I wanted to start there. So oh, and just real quick, he first appeared in Tales of Suspense number fifty seven in September nineteen sixty four, created by Don Heck and Stan Lee, and he was a villain at first. It was who was he? Was it? Iron Man that he uh, was? That is my memory. I can't uh, remember who said that he's, he's yeah. fighting Iron Man. Right. I mean, I feel like in comic books, you reverse the old saying, you know, you either die a villain or you stick around long enough to become the hero. <laughs> like, it's a total flip of the old. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, it, so, worked for, it worked for Loki in the, in the shows. In the uh, movies. <laughs> de- de- definition of work, but that's a different yeah, story. Yeah, right. All right. So, so we start with Thor kind of finishing, taking out the guards we left him with last time. He's running along the hamster cage. And, and I just love that we get the shot of him in the shadow, like through the trans... We see the hammer that way later, but I just, I think it's such a great way of like reminding us, like he's in this like little space in the midst of everything else that's going on. Mm-hmm. I cannot figure out like where he is at any given time. Like it seems like he turns way too many corners throughout this process, but it is, a, it is a great shot to see him like inside that. And like, it's the right level of, of translucent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The translucence is cool. And when you do see him kind of through that wall, it's, it's neat to see like the figures kind of moving through there. Um, I'll tell you, the direction he's running is the wrong direction. He's running actually toward because again, I spent way too much time <laughs> on this on this rabbit uh, rabbit do you, hole. Do you map out the whole t- the tunnel sequence, you know, from an overhead shot? Yeah, well, I because yeah, when we first come in on the on the shield uh, crater base, we get that helicopter shot over it, and so I've had that open next to all this. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, he's it's it's ridiculous what I did, but um, there's also some uh, some bullet car chase sort of editing that we get if you if you go back to the car chase of bullet driving through the city of san francisco in that movie like you could never map it out because it's never going the right direction and there are a few moments here where all of a sudden thor jumps to a totally different place and it just it doesn't make any sense but here he's running if he continues on the curve he'll end up in the command center um, where we'll where sitwell is so he's he's going the wrong way and he does turn around at some point here shortly so, and then we get the shot of Coulson, who's now very wet because he's been in the rain. Uh, we learn that the rain has been very kind to Thor's hair. <laughs> Coulson, not so much. He kind of has a, like, drowned wet rat look. Like, mm-hmm. he, yeah. 
he doesn't look like he should be out in the rain. It d- does not look well. But this is where we see our crashed ATV that we talked about last time. It's it's right. Uh, it's it's kind of nice to see. We see the big torn hole in the uh, the hamster tunnel here, and uh, Colson is on his radio. And so then we get the uh, sequence we've been talking about. We we hear the Wallace saying target sighted East Tunnel. Colson says we need eyes up high with a gun. And then we get the shot of the hands that we'll later learn are Hawkeyes at first grabbing a gun and then like, nah, this just this one time I'll take my bow and arrow. What's going on? What's going on here? Like, is it just that like, it, is it just that because it's a shot that's inserted, it's awkward? Like, does Coulson? It, let me actually back up here. Did Barton ever use guns in the comics or was he always just the bow and arrow guy? Uh, yeah. I think he's capable. He's proficient. Yeah, but he's, he's you know, iconically, it is strictly guns. He's, I mean, strictly bow and arrow. He's not known at all for being a sharpshooter with guns. He is the bow and arrow guy. He's the he's the Marvel version of Robin Hood. Okay. Yeah, and he he uses guns some in, in the MCU, but not often. This feels like one of those moments that is not internally motivated by the character. This is to tell the audience something about the character, right? You know, this is going to be staged in a way that the audience is like, okay, this is, you know, he's, 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 he was ordered to go get a gun, but he's actually grabbing the bow and arrow. Whereas it feels like Clint Barton, as we know him now, would have like, without even pausing, walked by and snagged his bow and arrow and been on the way. Mm-hmm. Like they want to give more emphasis to the fact that he's getting a bow and arrow, but in doing so, they kind of imply that he might not have, which doesn't fit. <laughs> yeah, it, it throws things off because all of a sudden your thing is like, Wait, is this the moment where he decided it's like, no, nah, I'm a bow and arrow guy from now on. Like, I'm not <laughs> right. grabbing the guns anymore. Like, right. uh, I, I need to get into position really fast. Like, I've just received an order and we're in a high intensity situation. But real quick, let me make an important life decision and commit to a weapon. <laughs> what we didn't realize is we're getting Thor's origin story and we're getting Hawkeye's origin story in the same film. We never realized that before. <laughs> Well, I, I wanted to say, like you pointed out, that we see we see his hands like reach for the gun and then reach for the the bow and arrow. Something that I've always enjoyed about this movie is how much hand focus there is, right? Like Kenneth Branagh does a lot of like mm, shots true. of hands and hand acting, and like Loki's reaching for something with his hands, and we focus on the hands, and like the hand is doing performance work. Um, and I, and so I think as you guys keep going, it's something to watch for. Like there is hand acting. And and focus on like how the hands move, how the hands say something about what people want or or how they feel in a situation. Um, and so I think this is a, a prime example of of something that I that I've always noticed about this movie, um, and it's something that I don't think I notice in most other movies. It's you know it's not something that that is necessarily a common thing. It's like well let me focus on the hands and let the hands you know do the do the talking so to speak, um, or do the acting um, in this moment. Right. It's interesting that you say that. It made me immediately jump to, and this was a deleted scene when Loki, um, he and and Frigga are at Odin's bedside in the Odin sleep, but the guards come in and actually give him Gungnir, uh, Odin's uh, spear, to kind of now say you're you're king. But the way, and it's not like just a shot of Loki's hands, but the way that mm-hmm. that he reaches out with his hands and almost like very delicately takes it with his hands it's a yeah. it's an interesting moment where you really are looking at loki's hands 
Um, so I immediately jumped to that when you said that. And I, as I think through the movie, I think you're right. There's a lot of hand stuff that we've seen so far. So yeah, I, I definitely have to pay attention to that as we move forward. And that, that it's a great callback because you're right. It, it, I remember he, he kind of is just holding it with his fingertips. Like he barely wants to touch it until his mother kind of confirms for him, like you're supposed to be king. And then he like fully grasps it. So yeah, that's a great thing to watch out for. And, and yeah, uh, I, I like finding something good in this few minutes that is not um, the best. Uh, and the other, just one other thing to throw in that, again, just is, is a little, like, head-scratchy. Coulson says, get someone up there with a gun. And so either he knows it's Barton, who, in theory, Barton would only be using bow and arrows, or is it just that there's, like, three guys hanging out in the sniper truck, you know, <laughs> playing poker, and they're like, okay, well, Coulson wants one of us, you know, uh, you know, two out of three rock, paper, scissor decide who goes up. <laughs> and are the, are the other two like for the rest of their lives? I could have been in an Avenger. You yeah. don't understand. It could have been me. I was right there. <laughs> it, I mean, it's right. funny that you say that because I was wondering like, this is the weirdest like military truck, like to have this glowing light on this wall of and guns. I'm like, who? <laughs> yeah, and a bow and arrow. Right. Who, who sets it up like this? Is this Barton's truck? But now it makes sense. This is the sniper truck. This is where they all hang out and play poker. Right. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, head cannon achieved. That's right. So then we get this great overhead overhead shot of Barton running to the crane, and in some ways, I'm kind of disappointed to know that we that they had revealed it was, it was Jeremy Renner because they're clearly trying so hard not to show his face. You know, they're doing everything to show him moving, but they want it to be that big reveal once he's up in the bucket. It is weird that they released that footage. Like, now I'm scratching my head. Why would they, other than just to get more buzz for the movie, I guess? Like, oh, I'm like, I'm wondering if they're like, um, because at this point, when are, when do they start filming Avengers? Probably not, not by, not by this point. Uh, like, uh, yeah. Is it, is it like buzz for the next, like, like trying to, I, I'm just wondering if like buzz had been, or, or at least a leak had happened that Jeremy Renner had been cast as Hawkeye for Avengers. Uh, you know, some some announcement along those lines. And then they're in order to tie Thor more closely towards what they're building, at least in the audience expectations and the audience mind, you know, they they do this or at least, or I mean, again, like this, this is a, a stretch of his career where Jeremy Renner's, try, you know, trying to be used to anchor multiple franchises, it feels like. And so maybe they feel like there's enough goodwill or, or interest in Jeremy Renner's career that that linking it to this project would add to the buzz for thor yeah so maybe it's like let's let's show that we got jeremy renner yeah i i I bet it was that he was nominated for an oscar uh for the town um and and those oscar announcements would have or the oscar the oscar ceremony would have been like march uh, february march of 2011 Mm. and so so, oh, that would do you it. know, he at that time was probably, I mean, certainly more of a name than Chris Hemsworth was, at least in the States. And so they probably were trying to bank on the fact that, hey, we have this Oscar nominated actor uh, that was just this great um, hoodlum in the town. Um, um, that might be part of the reason. Right. And, and I also wonder, kind of building on that, you know, the first Robert Downey Jr. was a household name. Yeah. Edward Norton was a household name. Yeah. And also... Iron Man and Hulk were more household names, I think, than Thor. Or certainly Thor is a comic book. So it may be that they wanted to capitalize on that. It may also be that, you know, they filmed this wanting it to be a big reveal, but maybe like the buzz wasn't getting as much publicity as they hoped. You know, maybe they they felt like, okay, we need to kind of 
punch it up a little bit. Either way, it's too bad. I think it would have been a fun reveal without it. So I just double checked. Avengers did begin filming in April of 2011. So I'm wondering if there's like enough reveals happening about the cast of Avengers and everything that that they're just trying to ride all of that, you know, together towards the publicity of, of Thor. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, there's a new book that just came out that might answer it. Uh, Andy, if uh, Next Real wants to buy me a copy, I'd be happy to uh, look through it. Because <laughs> it is not a cheap book. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> uh, sign up for membership, folks, and then we can buy that book and tell you all sorts of things as I uh, decide what Andy's budget's going to be. And I'm going to host new. That's right. He's going to have a new host pretty soon. Anyway, though. Um, so, so then we do. Uh, he also tosses the bow into the bucket, which is a little like. kind of chucks it in there. <laughs> yeah, I. Those things are very finely calibrated. Well, and as and as the person who's like, that's his livelihood. He's well, uh, maybe not. I mean, he might have just decided I'm going to be a bow guy, and he doesn't know how to treat it. <laughs> Who knows? But regardless, like the fact that he just throws it in there, I'm like, this, you know, that you don't do that with your weapon. It's like you know. Also, I've never mm-hmm, seen yeah. this particular contraption in any other movie ever. Um, where it's like, I need a sniper in position, put him on a crane in a exposed a bucket. wire right. cage. Yeah. One that's dangling freely <laughs> and getting blown about by right. the gusts yeah, of like, wind. This is mobile. Like, <laughs> snipers can't spot from yeah. that. Like, in the rain. Like, that's really above. a lot of challenge for a sniper. <laughs> I want as much motion in my sniper's eyes. Yeah, put, put yeah. him in the bucket that's going to get struck by lightning. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, you could like, climb up the, like, the thing holding the bucket, and that would give you a more steady, you know, place to shoot from. But mm-hmm. anyway, so Thal Thor is still kind of kicking ass. Uh, once again, he's still what I describe as like super agent, super fighting man. He's not fighting like a god, but he's still winning, clearly. Uh, there's that one wonderful scene where like three people are on the stairs and he has one kick to kind of knock them all down. And just to just to, to clarify, this is the staircase that he passed earlier, ran down the hamster cage. And then for some reason, I, he must have realized he's going the wrong way. He turned back and now he's back at the same set of stairs. Same, same set of stairs. <laughs> same set of stairs. Yeah. So he's really going nowhere. This is like his journey through Puente Antiguo. He really like how long does it take to get through Puente Antiguo to get to the pet store? It took him forever. I don't understand all these 3D video games. I grew up in a world where the enemy was to the right. You started on the left. But if you passed bad guys, you had to always go back to get their loot. You know, and well, then I mean, like I, I'm from there where if you pass the bag out, you were never seeing them again. Yeah, exactly. That, that was it. You, 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 know, you, you couldn't go backwards. That was not. A, yeah, you could go back like five seconds. So yeah, he's got to go. You know, he wants the 100 percent complete rate. I think is what we're going for here. <laughs> With this little fight that he has, I does it feel like they do a slow mo shot of the the one guy that he kicks falling out the wall uh, at the back? Like, does it feel like it slows down just a little bit in that moment? And if so. Why? Because it's not like he actually kicked him through a wall. <laughs> you know, this, he, he yeah. kicked him through a very thin sheet of loose plastic. It's, yeah. You know, I, I feel like in a world where Zack Snyder exists, the bar for unnecessary use of slow-mo has been set so... De- like, this doesn't even <laughs> occur to me, you know, in terms of where the bar for unnecessary slow-mo we'll, is now. And we'll certainly have some um, slow-mo later in our week to talk about, because some of it makes sense, and some of it I'm like, well, now it doesn't make sense anymore. What are you doing, Ken? <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, anything else about kind of the the fight? I think uh Andy, you pointed out that there's a moment where he looks right at Mjolnir, but is like, nah, 
eh, I'll actually go beat up some guys first. Well, yeah, again, this just as you as you go. I, I, well, there's like there's guys there. Yeah, well, there's guys. There's guys between him and it. I mean, he he looks down the tunnel, and if he had gone down it, like that, there's guards charging him. So I guess that's why he runs the other way. Uh, but literally, like if he he's already just tackling everybody who's in front of him. So why he doesn't take them out instead of of running away, I, I don't understand. And that's clearly they're just designing a fight scene that's just fun to look at. But it's one of those things where I'm like, uh, you know, he kind of has, I don't know, I think he has a sense as to where he's going. Sometimes mm-hmm. it seems like he does. Sometimes I don't really know. It's yeah. like, um, I saw a, um, a video essay where they were trying to track uh, the car chase scene with Joker in The Dark Knight. Uh, and, and like, they're like, if you do any work to try and lay this into a linear actual, you know, set of actions that were one after the other when you like step back and look at it from above this made no sense at all uh, like you could process it but when you're in the moment just follow the action yeah sure this this all works thor's in a fight on his way to mjolnir right as someone who grew up in new york city the number of times i saw people in movies or tv shows you know going the wrong way up one-way streets not to mention the incredible price of the rents that the characters of friends would have paid but that's a, a separate rant for another time um but yeah yeah i think the, the idea is you're supposed to be swept down by uh, and so, yeah, we see Barton kind of being lifted up. And yeah, they are especially, it's just swinging all over the place. That is not a um, a stable fought spot to fire from. When we're in that moment, though, of Barton is about 40 seconds in, in that minute, if you look past him at the uh, at the hamster tunnel over on the far edge, that's again where you can see the, the broken tunnel pieces where the ATV crashed into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so then we get Coulson. He's going into the, the command trailer with sti- still sit well. Uh, and he seems to be like five seconds behind where Thor just was. Uh, and we learned that there's a massive surge coming off this thing. The systems are barely coping. And earlier we'd seen there was a problem. But I, I think, again, to me, this is the like Thor and the hammer are getting close to each other. So the energy of everything is getting mm-hmm. ramped up. Mm-hmm. Is that is that kind of your take that from there? Uh, yeah, definitely. And we, I mean, you get the like... I love the the shorthand for filmmaking of like there's a lot of energy around. We get some flickering screens happening in the background. Uh, you know, that's uh, a clear sign that that something is going down somewhere nearby because there's a little flicker. Definitely. And the infrared of Mjolnir, it's glowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love the the, right. the infrared just to show it's like, yeah, like focus, look, attention. This thing's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so then Coulson calls to Barton, so clearly he knows it's Barton, uh, which again makes the gun thing even weirder, but fair enough. And and then we do get, I think, the only moments of the of the Hawkeye reveal that really work, but I thought they were fantastic. You get this great shot to reveal Barton, where at first you're you're kind of bl- half blinded by the light behind him and the rain, but then it focuses in on his face and you get to see you know who it is. And then he has the great line of, Do you want me to slow him down, sir? Or sending in more guys for him to beat up and it's just it's delivered so deadpan and colson's response of i'll let you know is so deadpan it just to me it really captures the kind of humor that you often get from shield in a way that i loved i wish that we'd had a little more of hawkeye like as greek chorus giving commentary Mm -hmm. about the fight that he sees down below it would have made this feel less inessential uh i mean we get some snippets that are great and it definitely could have been overdone but if he was like he says i need eyes up there like if he had literally been commenting on what was going on for colson to give colson context of of what's going on like it would have felt like there was more uh purpose to to clint barton being up there oh yeah yeah Agent Williams is that? Oh, nope. Williams is defeated. Oh, well, actually, oh, no, if there's three against, I call some, I think, uh, nope, you can't come all down. Um, like, 
But also, I, I'm curious because Colson says, like, I'll let you know. It's like, how can I give you, like, two scenarios? I just say, I'll let you know. It's like, so you're picking one of the scenarios. You're going to send more people for him to beat up. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, you're, you're answering the question without answering the question. Like, you wanted to, to not answer it by saying that you're doing a dumb choice. Because they said, well, are you going to do the smart thing or are you going to do the dumb thing? It's like, I'll let you know. I'm going to do the dumb thing, but I don't want to, I don't want to answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> to me, part of what it's setting up is something that becomes kind of a recurring gag in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well as other times S.H.I.E.L.D. pops up, where it's the, like, we are going to act like we are in control and that we have a handle on the situation where we're dealing with gods and aliens and all sorts of things that we have, you know, the equivalent of just a bow and arrow against, you know? And, like, yeah, in that regard, yeah, it's ridiculous, but I kind of love it because the kind of, like, you know, Coulson's like, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know, as though, like, you know, these are, like you said, both legitimate options. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll also say this version, I, I think you're right, Joe, it could have been a lot better. It's still so much better than it was in the script. In the script, what Barton says is, one shot, one kill. Do you want me to take him down? Which just, like, there there's, like, a machismo of, like, oh, look, I can still get this guy that just doesn't fit anything of what Hawkeye becomes. Or most of the MCU. That's, that's like, very military, yeah. snipery kind of lingo. The MCU likes to make that kind of stuff implicit and not actually part of the screen time. In a weird way, it does become the Hawkeye that we see in the What If episode where we replay this this particular <laughs> scene, which... <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, yeah, I think that's about all that I had about this minute. Either of you have any other kind of last things you wanted to bring up? No, I think we've we've covered everything that I would talk about. I'm, I'm glad Andy's here to help orient me because I was wondering about that set Thor's of stairs. choices and the, uh, yeah, the, the stairs in particular. I was like, wait, is he up at the top? Or? Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> just uh, the, when you see him running past, uh, again, we cut to that great shot from the exterior and you see Thor's uh, figure running behind. The next shot we cut to Coulson. If Coulson turned around, Thor would literally have been right behind him. Like, that's exactly where Thor is. It's like nobody knows. And Coulson's right, or uh, uh, Barton's right above him. So it's very funny how, how all of this plays out. But I mean, they only have so much hamster cage. In fact, where Thor kicked the guy through the plastic is actually right behind Coulson as well. It's just not there at this particular point because we're meant to think it's somewhere else. But it is what it is. All right. Well, as always, uh, thanks, everybody, for being a part of this. This was great. Really looking forward to the rest of this week. Uh, Andrew and Joe, we talked about those podcasts. Are there other places people can find yourself in terms of uh, like Twitter or social media? Or Joe, I know you said you do uh, English. Uh, it sounds like you've been published somewhat with some of your thoughts on some of these things. Uh, uh, yeah. So I've added a series of essay collections called The Ages of Superheroes, where uh, they're, they're all essays on different uh the appearances of the superhero in different points in their history. So like the age of Superman, you, you're, you get one essay that's about him in the gold, you know, the golden age with, with world war two stuff. And then one about him during the Vietnam era. And you know, what's, what's different about these stories uh, with Superman. And um, I've edited about 10 of those essay collections at this point. So uh, if you have any interest in comic book superheroes and kind of an academic contextualization of uh, what seems to be influencing some of the stories that are being told, you can look into those. Awesome. I have not published uh, any essay collections, um, but as far as social media goes, um, all, all of our stuff is at Dizminute, uh, so at D-I-S Minute on, on Instagram and Twitter and all of that. Awesome. Awesome. And of course, you can find all of the Next Reel uh, social media on our on our page. And, you know, we always want uh, feedback. It's fun to get to come. Com- 
converse about this with me and Andy, with our guests. But I really love when I get to hear like what the fans think. Like, what'd you love about this minute? Were you, how, I would love to hear from people like, what was it like for you when you first saw Hawkeye? Did you have a kind of great moment of recognition? Was there like, what in the world is Jeremy Renner doing in this? Uh, what'd you think? Let us know. Uh, so please check out all the great things that the people here have talked about that we're creating. Uh, please check out all the other things on the Next Real Pod- Family of Podcasts and on the Superhero Ethics Family of Podcasts. And most importantly, have a great day. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. Mm-hmm.